turns, shoots, fires. Shot won't go. Tucker the rebound. And that'll do it. It's over. The Bucks have done it. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. Emotions come pouring out. One of the greatest nights in Milwaukee sports history ends in a coronation. And the brilliance of the young man from Athens. Another crushing finish for Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns after a superb season. extraordinary story of this extraordinary young man gives him his NBA title the Greek Greek is a Greek NBA champion and what is good everybody we are back it's your boy Devin Nashby and this here is the play-by-play -play analysis podcast Devin Ashby, SKA, play-by-play. Play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. And my brother Xavier, senior producer down in Florida doing his thing. He's been doing his thing for a minute. We have a new champion. We have a new champion and a worthy one, in my opinion, Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks for the first time in 50 years have won an NBA championship clinching a four to two series victory it's been a few days now and we've had time to simmer ultimately after watching that series from start well as much of it as you probably have seen x what are your thoughts on that series shout out to both teams shout out to the phoenix Suns on the nice season very unexpected nobody expected them to get this far shout out to the milwaukee Bucks. i won't say no one expected them to get this far but we had our questions after the previous two years prior to this year you know um going up against the raptors in 2019 and they built that wall against Giannis. going up against miami last year they built the wall against Giannis until he ultimately got hurt and he was limited for the rest of that series and I believe he missed the final two games of that series or he missed the final game and a half of that series. But either way, you know, we had our doubts about that. We had our doubts about Mike Budenholzer as a coach. We had our doubts about, and I know it's real easy for everybody to say Chris Middleton looks like a star right now. Dell, you and I both know that people were not hyping up Chris Middleton after that series last year. Even up until the finals. 
Exactly. Like nobody was hyping him up. Nobody. If you had people who were sitting here literally saying he's only an all star because he plays in the East. That's all they were literally saying. Like they were saying, yeah. people were saying he wasn't worth that hundred million dollar contract he signed. That yep. he he's just an all star. He's not a superstar. Like I mean, there, there was all types of things being said about him. Um. Giannis, though, what, what what did you think of the Bucks? What did you think of what they did? I said it on Tuesday night, and I'll say it again. If I'm going by the standards that we judge best player in the world off of, right now Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the world. And it's like, you know, you know Kevin Durant is my guy. And I have great respect for what LeBron brings to the game. I have great respect for what Kawhi brings to the game, even though we don't even know what Kawhi is going to be going forward with his partially torn ACL and he's going to have to come back from. So right now it is it is Giannis's league right now at this very moment. And I don't see why he can't be the face of the league going forward. Honestly, I think it's a great thing for the NBA if they have someone like Giannis as the face of the league. Talk about all the odds he had to overcome growing up over in Greece and growing up overseas. And, man, you listen to this dude's story, man, and it's just like, wow, like, that is the face of inspiration and that is the face of hope if you want to look at a sports figure right now who is that. And that's not taking anything away from any of these other guys, but we're talking about guys right now in the present moment. What have they done for us lately? And right now, Giannis, should he should be the face of the league. He should be considered the best player in the world. And, yes, he should get free Chick-fil-A for life. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, he should. But I'm just like, I was pulling, I was putting those together for the show, you know, as I do. I do a little research. And, you know, some of this stuff is, you know, whatever. But I was like, man, this man averaged 35, just over 30, a little bit over 35 points per game, 13.2 rebounds, five assists. There's only two people in the history of the NBA Finals that have averaged 35, 10, and 5 for an entire series. It's him and it's the king, LeBron James. You know, mm-hmm. it's only them the only two people to do that. This man had 50 in a closeout game. <laughs> you know, like 50 freaking points in a closeout game. Like, I, I let me, thought. Let, let me ask you a question really quickly. Is that the most dominant performance you've ever seen in a closeout game in your life? And I ask it like that because is it the most, forget just the closeout game, is it the most dominant finals performance you've ever seen? And I ask it like that because, you know, we're not old enough to remember what Jordan was out there doing to the Suns in 1993. Right. So for me, in my lifetime, it is definitely top two. Like the only... The only thing I've seen close to that was what LeBron did. Again, LeBron, we keep talking about him. What he did in 2016 with Cleveland when they came back from a 3-1 lead to beat Golden State. This is the closest thing I've seen to that. <laughs> like this and this is and and I'm happier for Giannis for a lot of reasons. One, everybody wants to he's probably one of the most slandered one of the most slander superstars in the league, you know, like he, he could, because of his free throw troubles, 
his style of play, people talk about, oh, he doesn't have a bag because he's not out here hitting step back threes and hitting people. Well, he does do the Euro step, but he's not out here hitting step back jumpers and, you know, hitting people with multiple dribbles and all the stuff that a lot of like the James Hardens and Kyrie's of the world can do. And I'm just like, bro, that bag talk is just stupid for a lot of reasons. First of all, he averaged 35 points per game in the NBA Finals without a so-called bag. You know, we saw he he scored 50 points in a game where he went 17 of 19 at the free throw line. And that is kind of scary to think about, like, what he could be capable of if he does fix his free throws. Because if you think about it, he scored, like, 40 points in back-to-back games early in the final. Shaq was, like, the only other person to do that. He did that while missing free throws. You know, he's scoring 35 points in these games while missing, like, half. He'll go, like, 5 of 10 or 4 of 11 at the free throw line. So imagine if he could consistently hit free throws. He really might be a 40-point, 50-point-a-night bucket. Like, <laughs> yeah, because there's nobody, I believe, that can stop him individually one-on-one down there. Nobody. He can literally do whatever he wants to do down there. And what we saw from him in Game 6, in particular at the free-throw line, that was simply a mind-over-matter thing. Yeah. And that is when it truly does become dangerous with these superstar players. Because we hear so much all the time, it's more mental than it is physical when it comes to your approach to the game. Exactly, exactly. And I and I'm just like, he put it together. Like and and then the other thing, the back talk irks me because it's plenty of seven footers in the league. It's plenty every team got at least one you could think of, you know. And if it was all about like what James Harden made that infamous comment about, oh, you know, I wish I could just be seven feet tall and run and dunk, you know, that doesn't require skill at all. Well, if that were the truth. How come every seven footer or six ten, six eleven player is not KD or Giannis? You know, how come they all can't do that? If it doesn't require any skill, if he doesn't have a bag, like every seven footer should be out here. But like, no, but like Boban, he can't do what Giannis does. You know, Porzingis can't do what Giannis does. <laughs> like, you know, even even before the injuries, he couldn't. Do he it. couldn't. Yeah, he he was he could dunk a little bit, he could shoot a little bit, but like he was he no. He's not the he's not the defender. Damn sure ain't the defender. And like, yeah, that that he's not a th- I'm not gonna say he's not a threat, but he's not a guy like if Porzingis scores fifty, then okay, like that was a great night for him. He's not a guy consistently night in and night out that you wanna put the ball in his hands, at least since that injury, at least. You right. know. Um, but yeah, he he's he's done some amazing things. And he's a very likable guy, like you said. Like his story is incredible. I mean, this dude was a essentially a refugee in Greece, like because his parents didn't have citizenship because they came over from Nigeria. So they were basically living every day with the threat of like we could be deported. <laughs> you know, he didn't have because of because he didn't have citizenship, he didn't have access to some of those like like the way they normally find NBA players in Europe, like he didn't have access to some of that stuff because he didn't have citizenship. You know, they, they had to really like, it had to be one scout, some obscure scout who just really searched hard to find him, which is what ultimately happened, you know? And that whole family really is inspiration. Like all of his brothers that play in the NBA got rings now. <laughs> like, cause he hit the Nasus is on the team with him. And then Costas got one last year with the Lakers. What? 
what they have done is the dream that LeVar Ball has envisioned for his sons. Right. Which is still a very likely thing that could happen because you never know what the future holds. Yeah, definitely. And, man, let me tell you, if Giannis is with Nike, them Nike commercials are going to be insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that, I don't know if you remember that old video. They interviewed him back in 2014 when he got drafted, and it's like, I want to be an NBA player. You know, like, yes. That's a Nike commercial right there. Like, he just slapped that on in black and white or something, or like the old footage, and then put the, like, that is a walking million dollar idea. $100 million idea right there. Like, if he's with, and I don't I, know who he's signing and, with. And on yeah. top of that, bro, he's got, an entire fan base behind him. And people, look, people talk all types of garbage about those small-town markets. They usually have the most rabid fan bases mm-hmm. because they are usually the centerpiece of what that market is. Like, we, L.A. love Kobe, L.A. and New York love Patrick Ewing. But it's like, you, you have other things and you have other sports and you have other teams that you can easily latch on to And that's not necessarily saying a comparison to those guys per se, but I'm just saying Tim Duncan is probably more beloved for his time in San Antonio than I can't think of a player off the top of my head right now from a big market, but you get the point that I'm trying to say. Right. (laughs) But yeah, he I just I don't know how many different ways I can say it. Like, I mean, yeah, in my lifetime, that is the greatest finals performance I've seen. That's one of the top two I've ever seen. Like, and not just the 50 point. And it's not even just the scoring. This dude, it seemed like every game he was making a highlight play. And this is coming off of a, what, what did he do to his knee? He he hyperextended his knee to the point that a lot of people thought, that he wasn't going to come back or he would miss some extended time at the very, at the very least he came back game one. And even though game one, he put up a respectable, like 27 and 14 or something. And, you know, that was considered an off night for him. He still had highlight plays like the chase down block that looked very similar to what LeBron James did against golden state, you know? And then like a cup, then he had the back to back 40 point games, even though, one of them was a loss, I think, you know, then he had the block on Aiton, you know, which was still an incredible defensive play when you think about it, because you're guarding Booker on the pick and roll. And then to turn around in one full mo in one full motion to turn around, jump up, block the shot. I'm like, bro, how many seven footers can do that? <laughs> and on top of that, Bill. Yeah, some people out there were like, oh, it's just DeAndre Ayton. Do y'all realize what DeAndre Ayton was doing to people in the Western Conference playoffs? Even in this series, I mean, the first two or three games, dude was a rebounding machine. You know, and then he just fizzled off at the end. But, like, it, it just, it, I mean, it was an incredible performance. And people have continued, even now, people continue to find ways to downplay this ring. Everybody's like, oh, if Kevin Durant would have worn a smaller shoe size, oh, if, if everybody was healthy, if 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 was the fifth, we'd all be drunk. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's like thing, it's you like, can only control who you play. It's like injuries are a part of the game. Yeah. Thing, like, oh, oh well, KD's foot was too big. 
That's his the three point line. It's like, oh well, get over it. Things happen. They are what they are. Right. Like it's so many championships we could take away if we counted how many people were hurt. Like Steph would not be a two, three, two or three time champion right now. If no. if it was if it was if if we was gonna go down that road, Toronto wouldn't have had a ring if we're gonna go down that road. Um, even some of the rings that KD won, I think is is one of them. You know, if Kawhi doesn't get hurt in that series in San Antonio, who knows what happens? You know, like yeah, because the Spurs are up by twenty five, right? <laughs> like doesn't like who knows what happens in that series? You know. So don't and injuries are going to happen, especially in an eighty-two plus game season. You're and if and if you make it to the finals, by that point you've played upwards of a hundred to a hundred and twenty games. Like people are going to be hurt, dinged up, tired. Injuries are going to happen. Like you know, people miss shots all the time. Oh, if KD's foot wasn't on the line, well, it was. Get over it. It's like, bro, he didn't get it done. He didn't get it done. Like, stop complaining. It's, you know, and even on the, like, we we say all that to say Giannis earned this ring. And not just Giannis. I mean, that whole team earned the ring. And we have seen just constant Bucks disappointments over the years. We saw 2019. That was the year I thought they were going to get there. Um, and they didn't. We saw the Miami series, you know, last year when they had a gentleman sweep out of the bubble. Like and we were just honestly waiting for that to happen. If we're being honest, right? We were waiting for them to melt down. Yeah, like people just—it—it it just was the thing. Everybody's always like, "Well, Giannis's style is not playoff. Like, it's that's not a play. That's not playoff basketball." Everybody kept saying that. This year, I think what he did was he didn't necessarily change his style so much. The main thing is Milwaukee added shooters around him. Like you you bring yeah. in a guy like Drew Holiday who can get hot or cold, but when he's hot, he's hot. You know, you have Pat Connaughton. Bobby Portis played a huge role in game six, you know, um hitting some corner threes. They they got guys Chris Middleton played out of his mind to the point that people were debating who's Batman and who's Robin. <laughs> Which is foolish. Stupid <laughs> yeah, and I don't even think it matters really. But, you know, so that's one thing. And then secondly, he's learned to dissect the wall now. Like you can't build that wall because you'll leave a dude in the corner open. You know? And I feel like game six Giannis, that's the Giannis I think that we could see if he really puts his game together. Like a dude that can hit some respectable deep two-pointers, maybe a three here and there, hit some free throws. That, if we get that Giannis from here on out, oh, God, the league is in trouble. <laughs> it's like, he really could be the best in the world if he can put a game, if he can put that together like he did. You know? Yeah. You do not want Giannis to even have him of KD's offensive skill set. Right. Like, I don't even think he has to shoot threes. Like, he'll he'll do it just to keep defenses honest. Because you saw there were some plays where, like, he wouldn't – people were always wondering, like, why does he keep doing it, even though he was going, like, one for five? And the reason is – and there was one play in particular that stood out to me. 
early in game six. He punt fake, Aiton fell for it. That opened the paint up for him. Put his head down, hit a spin move, and got in the paint and was basically unchecked. Like nobody was in the paint waiting for him. If he keeps the defense honest, they can't build a wall in the paint like that. And while his teammates are hitting shots too, like if he and that that's why he does it. You know, unlike certain players on the 76ers that are just scared to go to the free throw, you know, like it just, you know, dude just did it. You know, he look, finally you did pointed, it. And look, you pointed this out all The biggest difference maker, honestly, in this series from Milwaukee was Bobby Portis. He right. really was the difference maker. Because think Him about it. Kind of you have Brooke Lopez on the floor. That was when Phoenix was playing their best. They, Brooke Lopez was a bad matchup against what the Suns had. When you put Bobby Portis out there, a guy who's out there actively playing defense, is just a dog, going to get after it in the paint, can shoot the ball, all of that. It changed things up. Bobby Portis did to Phoenix what Torrey Craig was doing to Denver, and the Clippers. And had Torrey Craig not been injured in game two of this finals, I'm curious to know how it would have played out, honestly, because maybe you would have had a match for match coming off the bench with each other. Right. But that's the other thing Milwaukee added this year. They had that dog in them that they didn't have in some of them other years. You know, you bring guys, Bobby Portis, might have, like you said, that might have been the biggest offseason sign. And that dude played even in the Atlanta series, was playing incredible minutes. You added P.J. Tucker late in the year. He's not always the most consistent shooter. He's not going to give you any more than like maybe 10 or 11 points a night, if that many. But he was giving you valuable minutes on defense. You know, he was disrupting, although maybe for better or worse, he was, you know, he was locking up with KD. He was giving Booker a hard time in game six. You know, they would put him on Chris Paul every now and then. Like, he, he was very versatile. You you add those two. You add Connaughton had his share of, you know, some big plays here and there. They had guys that just added a toughness that they didn't have in previous years. That was yep. what stood out to me more this year, and that's how you could beat a KD in Game 7 after being down 2-0 or in this Chris Paul series. Like, or in this um, Phoenix series, you know. But shout out Andrew Holiday. That might have been the biggest signing in this history of that franchise, with bringing Drew Holiday in there. Because a lot of people, like, oh, you know, they brought Drew Holiday in, and people felt like he was overpaid. I saw some people thinking that, oh, they paid him too much money. Whatever. Dude was harassing Devin Booker. Like, Devin Booker ain't want no part of him. <laughs> and Chris Paul either didn't want no part of him at times. Like, there there were plays, that game five steal and then the alley-oop pass. Like, who is insane enough to throw that pass to Giannis in that situation? Only Drew Holiday. <laughs> because... To make the steal, first of all, was very ballsy in my opinion to make that to to, to rip that ball. Call it a foul. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. To 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 have the confidence to go for that steal in that situation, knowing that they could potentially call a foul, then 
to have even more balls to throw that pass to Giannis. I mean, bro. I mean, what else can you say? <laughs> I mean, that, that particular play, when it, even though there was another game that he played, that thing was five, but he didn't know, oh, this is over with. Yeah. There's no way they're going to Milwaukee and losing game six. Exactly. I saw that play, and I'm like, no, this series is a wrap. They are not coming back to Phoenix. They're not. <laughs> I was just like, bro, there's no way. And, yeah, Chris Middleton can't say enough about him. That man absolutely defeated his playoff demons because he, let me tell you, for all the faults we give Giannis, Middleton, there were some series in previous years where dude just would disappear. I mean, it was like, bro, regular season Middleton and playoff Middleton were just two different animals. And then this year, dude was hitting clutch shot after clutch shot. There were games Giannis missed, like the Atlanta series, the last two games where he didn't play that Middleton had to be the guy and was balling. There were some clutch jumpers he would hit down the stretch, especially in game six when he was in foul trouble and wasn't hitting his shots early and then just started lighting it up. Like Middleton really played his butt off. And Middleton's story is just like Giannis's. This is a dude who he started out in the D-League. He's the first ever D-League player to become an NBA All-Star. You know, he was traded from the Pistons. In 2013. So him and Giannis came in the same year. He was traded from the Pistons. And they came in the same year and spent eight years together. They were they were both there, Milwaukee, when they won 13 games. You know, and then Giannis made the tweet that made this rounds again where he's like, I'm not leaving until we become a championship contender. And now here they are eight years later. Like, you love – this is one of the easiest finals teams to root for, I think, like since maybe the Spurs and, you know – Depending on who you ask, this is one of this team is so easy to root for. There's so many great stories on this team. I definitely agree with you on that. And to me, it's the best feel good story of a team winning a championship, in particular in the NBA, since Dallas did it in 2011. Right. That's the team that this is what this team thought. That's what it made me think of here. That's what it made me think of. But for all but the... I will say this. I will say this, though. Milwaukee does have a little more firepower on that team than Dallas did. Yeah, Dirk was a man among boys by himself. Yeah. You know, somebody would have a good game here or there, but, like, Dirk really carried that team. For all of the great things that Milwaukee did, Phoenix absolutely folded like origami paper. They folded like hot laundry out the dryer. These niggas folded like cookout chairs. Like it is, it's sad because I'm like, bro, part of me, even though I picked the Bucks to win, part of, I wanted so bad for Chris Paul to get that signature like, this that this, in 16 years he's done everything short of winning an NBA title. Like he he'd go down as one of the all-time great point guards with a wing or without one. But I really kind of wanted him to get one. And Monty Williams is one of the most likable coaches in all of the NBA. So I was rooting for him too, and especially being an African American as well. But man, I mean, like 
that was hard. To, I mean, it was kind of like if you're a Chris Paul fan, that them, that game six was hard to watch. Like down the stretch. It definitely was because he gave everything that he could possibly give. Short of game three and four. Yeah. <laughs> and, and game six, he showed back up and he looked like Chris Paul again. Yeah. Game three and four, I... That was the road jitters. Yeah. Dude was just turning. Because that's the other thing. He had he's as much to blame as everybody else because he there was that that three game stretch before game six where like he was just turning the ball over at will. Drew Holiday was just harassing him, and he could not get his offense going. And then there were some games you know where the first two games he looked like he was just lights out, forty one points in the first one, and then I think like twenty five or thirty in the second one, something like that. And everything was clicking. And then, yeah, three and four, he just disappeared. <laughs> you know. But. Yeah, it's like, you know, and even when he went off in game one, I still like, you know, the Rockets still got the upper hand in the series. It's simply because. They haven't shown anything they've yet. They've either been down in every series they played, or they've been close to being down. Like, the fans mopping up the Miami Heat for three straight games. Like, game one was. Uh, overtime. Okay, so yeah. Milwaukee gonna live up to this? Are they gonna overcome their demons, or is Miami gonna do this to them again? You know. And then, of course, we all know what happened against Brooklyn. Lord, that game too. That at one point being down by forty nine points. Mm-hmm. Of course, we all thought that was over with. And they came back and, and won four straight in that series. Now, when it comes down to Atlanta, I didn't really give Atlanta much of a chance to win that series simply because they did not have anybody that I felt like was going to be able to match up with Giannis one-on-one or even doubling them because they tried to double him. That's eliminating a very important part of your offense. And they needed as much of that as they could get. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I just... And then game six, DeAndre Ayton was just completely fell apart. Like it was, it was painful. I'm like, bro, he on offense, he was missing everything. He was getting just abused by Giannis on defense. He, I mean, it was like a deer in the headlights. And I get, I get that he's young and he's going to learn from those mistakes. Hopefully him and Devin Booker and Mikael Bridges, you know, that's a nice little young nucleus to build around. But Mikael Bridges was also disappointing throughout his finals too. Yeah, you know, I mean, Cam Johnson was good. You know, a couple of weeks ago, when we were having conversations, and they were saying, "Oh, well, Phoenix is going to give him the max," and that's why I immediately was like, "Pump the brakes, pump the brakes on that one." Like, he's a good young player, and like he's got a lot of potential, and of course, he can grow into being that caliber of a player with the work that he puts in and the talent that he possesses. Mm-hmm. But he, I would not give him a max contract right now. I wouldn't, but I think just by the nature of the NBA, he's going to get one. Just being the fact that he's a former number one pick and he played better than better than average in the finals, like it just it just would be hard to let him walk because somebody a contender will pick him up if they let him walk. Phoenix has got a lot of questions to answer this offseason. and that's why it was. My thing, I said before this final series started, I said whoever, like, the loser of this series, I don't think they'll ever get a title. 
Like, I, I especially, I said, if Milwaukee doesn't win one this year, I don't think they ever will. That's what I said before the final started. And, I, and rightfully, and rightfully, and so same thing with Phoenix. Process about it because you got to think, like, okay, Brooklyn comes back next year, they are healthy, and they get more of a cohesive unit with each other, and this team hasn't won yet. With KD and Kyrie's championship experience, they're going to mop them off the floor. Like, would, that's just you what think. you were thinking immediately. Right. Now, it's not, now, it's a different ballgame going in next year, of course, because Milwaukee got the title. And it's like, once you won, now that monkey is off your back, that pressure is not there anymore. And, like, you can just go out and hoop. Right. So, but I, I'm not, once again, I believe Phoenix has a very bright future. I do not believe that if they lose Chris Paul, they will not be a playoff team next year. I think that's ridiculous for people to say that, number one. Like, these young guys, they got some playoff experience now. And, yes, Chris Paul was the leader of that team and everything. It's like, And, listen, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, even though he melted down in the finals, they grew up before the eyes of America in these in the Western Conference playoffs for sure. And they got the chance to actually play in an NBA Finals. They're going to be in the playoffs next in a real year. How finals, far not, they go? Not that. How far they go? That's a question for another day. And this was a real finals. This wasn't that bubble stuff. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, no disrespect to Miami or to LA, but like this was a real NBA Finals, you know, like atmosphere. So them, yeah. they got you know, you got Mikael Bridges, you got Cam Johnson. You know, they, they got some pieces, you know, Tory Craig, like, you know, they got some guys like they could come back. I don't think they'll get to the finals again because the West is way deeper than the East. You you have a Denver team that's going to they're kind of going to be pressure on them now because they've been whatever. Clippers are always going to have expectations because of Kawhi and Paul George. Um, the Of course, the L.A. Lakers and LeBron James and A.D. and who knows who else they add in the offseason like. The West you is. You brought up Denver. You brought up Denver. Dallas with Luka. They have a lot of talent, but I believe that you know that's a combustible situation over there right now. Yeah. Because we're all pinning the hopes on Jamal Murray coming back healthy. It's a different team. Obviously, it is. But still, Jokic won the MVP. And, and you got swept. Like, you you got swept. You didn't win a game of that second round. Oh, they didn't? I keep thinking they won one. No. No, they got swept. And, like, you know, it's already out there. The question's already out there. But Dane's teammates actually helped him in game five or the first round series. Would they have even beaten the Blazers in the first round? You know, those questions still linger there, too. Mm -hmm. And... Also, the fact that you you know Mike Malone is on the clock now. Yep. He is officially on that clock. Mm -hmm. And like I also started to wonder this. Did they let the wrong man get out of the building, meaning Wes Unsell Jr.? Shout out to the Wizards for signing him, bringing him back home. For sure. For uh, sure. <laughs> but yeah, no, you, you do. We're about to find that out next year, though. We, we definitely going to find that out. Maybe not next year, but like two years from now. Two, two, three years years from now, we're going to find out, assuming the Wizards don't blow it. 
But listen, I mean, you know, I mean, look, we both watched the last dance. This group chat was built based off of the last dance. The last dance. <laughs> like, yeah. So, like, listen, Bill Collins, good coach, but for as many things that Jerry Krause did wrong, one of the few things he did right was identify that this right. team can't go to this team can't get to the level we want them to go to. With Doug him Collins, as head coach. Yeah, he he wasn't unlocking Phil Jackson in that spot. Right. And he identified that early. And, you know, the rest is history. Six championships later. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we wonder. But man, I guess to wrap things up, I gotta, you know, I gotta ask, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo is one of only two people at twenty six years old to have multiple MVPs a defensive player of the year, and now a finals MVP. The only other person to do it, his airness, Michael Jordan. What does this mean for Giannis Antetokounmpo going forward? It officially puts him on a trajectory of launching himself into the greatest of all time conversation. As long as he's able to stay healthy and his game continues to grow, and he just continues to be the person that he is. You know, even though he did the things that he did in this series, no one should walk out of here with the mindset of, he, he doesn't need to change anything. No, there's always room to grow and there's always room for improvement. But he is officially now on that trajectory because you've got to believe that there are possibly still some more league MVPs in his future as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, all that talk about league fatigue and like oh they they stop giving them to people because they're tired of seeing them win it you know like lebron effectively could win an mvp every year if it was really like for real if people didn't get tired of seeing him win it it's same thing with Giannis. It, you know he probably could have been a three-time mvp like if you really think about what he did last year it's just that his team wasn't as good record-wise at least you know, right. um, and what Embiid and Jokic were doing was also amazing. But this, like I said, the the Giannis that we saw in Game Six, that is what I think his ceiling is. Like, if you can fix that free throw thing, if you can consistently hit that outside the paint jumper, like that that mid range two. If you can just if you can if you can key in on those two things, this man really could like I mean I hate comparing anybody to Shaquille O'Neal because he was just a force of nature, but this is the closest thing we could see to that. It is, and you know what? I don't even think we should feel bad about doing it because Shaq himself is now giving Giannis the license to say there is only one Superman, and it is you. Right. You know. He really is like I mean, and and there are a lot of jokes. People talk about Giannis not having a bag. I keep seeing other people like yo, they would have said the same thing if Shaq were playing in today's game, because he was this. He's the same type of player. He was huge, dominant, played bully ball, wasn't the greatest free throw shooter, didn't have any type of outside shot to 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 think of. But I mean, obviously, he played in a different era of bigs. Giannis is that exact same player, just a, a tad bit more athletic and a little bit leaner. But he's almost that same type of player. If he can develop, I'm just saying, that man, 
and he's not I'm, he's like a hybrid I'm glad, I'm glad that you keep bringing up the mid-range two-point shot though and not just going to the three because right. everybody's like oh he's got to develop that three he's got to get that three back no he doesn't i'm like the man that so many of us call the greatest player of all time was a mid-range god and he was awful from the three-point line he had his nights you know portland game one 92 finals he had his night and he had some more nights but he was not consistently a three-point shooting threat right and the other thing all of the best even as much as we've gone to this analytic game now where it's it's a lot of threes and dunks and not a whole lot in between you look at all the best players in the NBA right now all of them have a mid-range game every single one of them every single KD's mid-range game is immaculate um Kobe well Kobe, rest in peace to him. In his day, his mid-range game was sensational. You look at Kawhi Leonard, that man eats people up in the paint. <laughs> you know, like at that free throw line range jumper that he has. Um, Clay Thompson, you know, Steph Curry, those two, a lot of threes, but like Clay got himself a nice mid-range jumper. You know, like you look at, I mean, yeah, it, Chris Paul kills people on, on the wing. And he was doing it in this series, too. And I'm kind of surprised that they just didn't keep going with that because people just refused to defend it. Like, that mid-range jumper is way more valuable than any analytics could tell you. And if Giannis especially, you know, let him develop that consistently, it is a wrap. And free throws, I think, are going to come. Like, that's something you just, you have to hit free throws. Like, (laughs) you have to in the NBA, especially with his style. But that's the other thing you got to appreciate about him. And this is something I keep seeing like every other, like I I watch and listen to a lot of other podcasts and different things. Everybody seems to mention the same, keeps going back to the same thing. I think one of the things that made Giannis so good and successful is his, he was not afraid to fail. Like he know there were some times like, and you could hear it in his, in his, like the way he was talking in his interviews. Like when he hit that block on Aiton, he said he thought he was gonna get dunked on. This dude is not afraid to get embarrassed. Like he he come out here airballing free throws, and he he just kept coming at you. He kept going in the paint, kept drawing fouls because he didn't care. He didn't care how many free th- free throws he aired. He didn't care how many he missed. He was gonna keep playing his way, and he was gonna do it his way because he knew that's what he needed to do. And that's like. You know, and he I wasn't was so much rather, crazy. And I would so much rather have a dude like that than somebody who won't even shoot a layup. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's the thing. People kept going back to Ben Simmons. When he was in the paint and was scared to get fouled and he passed it off to to Thibault. Mm-mm. No. You dunk on his ass. Like, <laughs> no. We, we ain't scared of Trey Young. No disrespect to him, but like if you're 6'10, 215, 220 in the paint against Trey Young, I, I kind of like my odds. You Very know? much so. And it's like, don't Giannis, you just feel like if he had a completed that dunk, Philly would have won that game? Yeah, probably. And they and I think they would have matched up much better against Milwaukee than Atlanta because of Embiid and because of Simmons. They would have matched up way better than, yes. than Atlanta. You know, or Phoenix, like you know. So, not to say that they would win, but 
it would have been a hell of a lot more difficult. You know, that would have been a very ugly Eastern Conference Finals. Hey, yo, but listen, one thing that I do have to say really quickly, shout out to our brother Matt, Matt yep. Craig, Mr. Open Strive, the prophet himself, because all postseason long, he's just been like, bucks, 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 bucks. And by the time the Brooklyn series was over with, I mean, of course, I was like, yeah, he's on to something, but like, even when Brooklyn was down, even when Brooklyn was up on them 2-0 and had just beaten them the way that they had beaten them, he was still like, Bucks going to win this series. And they came out and they won this series. And Matt has been saying for at least the past four or five months, as you know, Dad, he sees something different in Giannis this year. And he sees something different in the Bucks. I don't know what he saw, but he was right. Yeah, and me, I will say... I was kind of wishy-washy with the Bucks. Like, after that Miami series, I really thought, oh, no, this team got something. They could do something. But I just wasn't sure because Brooklyn just had all of those guys. And I'm like, yep. I don't know. But when they when they tied that series up, then I was like, okay. <laughs> like, no, this this team could win this series. And, re- like, and I was kind of on that Bucks bandwagon, too, because I've always been a fan of Giannis. I just was like, bro, they just need to get it done. But yeah, shout out to Matt. Matt saw it even a year ago. <laughs> like he pulled the receipts on me, you know. You know? Yep. I caught my ass in 4K. But yeah, you know, shout out to Matt. Shout out to all the people that didn't fold. It was people really thinking that the that Milwaukee was going to get swept after that 2-0 start. Like they ain't come back from 2-0 against Brooklyn, you know. Yeah. And I was just like, bro, what do y'all? I mean, you know, I know we love, we all love CP3. I get it. But y'all being prisoners at the moment right now because they won two home games. Wait till they get on the road. People always used to say the series don't start till somebody wins on the road. Milwaukee, I mean, not Milwaukee, Phoenix couldn't get it done on the road. Milwaukee did, (laughs) you know, and they, and they won the finals, you know? So, you know, but yeah, shout out. I mean, Giannis, like, I mean, there's only so many more ways we can say it. This this was a man. I know, you know, you and I being in some places where we're at, I don't know how much I really subscribe to all that American dream stuff, but Giannis is he, the closest thing to the American dream. This was a guy who came from nothing you know his family came over from nothing he was a dude he got here when he was i think he was 19 when he was drafted his parents failed the citizenship test twice before they finally passed it and were able to come to the u.s so we almost Giannis. i remember there was a documentary that said if his parents would have failed the third time he would have left we we never would have gotten here so this was a dude who, you know, his father passed away from a heart attack a couple of years ago and unfortunately didn't get to see this moment, like at least in person. Obviously, he's watching down. But yeah, this is a dude, all the things that he's had to overcome in his life and to get to this point and to this moment. Like, I can't hate on this man. I really can't hate on him. You know, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for all his teammates and the things they've all had to overcome because. Bobby Portis has come overcome some stuff in his life. Brooke Lopez was during the dark ages of Brooklyn Nets basketball. He was like one of those consistent all-star players when they were first starting out, you know, 
Um, they got some guys on that team that have really been through it. Like, this is one of the yep. happiest. And you know who the biggest winner is? The city of Milwaukee. Yep, very much so. <laughs> the NBA in general. This is a big win for the NBA. To see two small market teams make it to the NBA Finals and to put on that display that they put on and to have Milwaukee win it and, and, and like, after, like, there were people in the media openly hating on the city of Milwaukee and, you know, they got called out for it, rightfully so. But, like, I kept seeing stuff about, oh, the ratings are plummeting. This is, the NBA has really screwed this up. And and I'm like, why are y'all openly hating on a National Basketball Association team for playing well just because it's not L.A. or Brooklyn? And what people fail to realize is that when you usually tend to have something new in sports, something that you're not used to seeing, it usually attracts more eyes to the TV. Yeah. And I'm like, people always complain about the league not having parity. We finally get it. People still mad. Like, just because LeBron is not playing in the finals, that it wasn't going to be good. And then we saw the ratings were higher than they were last year when LeBron was playing. <laughs> you know? So, like... Shout out to a small market team winning a title. This is the second time in three years, second time in four years that it's happened because member Toronto won it in 2019. Yep. You know, this is the second time now. Like, so shout out to small market teams in the NBA. Everybody talking about. My question, I know they can't attract free agents, but like Toronto is one of the most populous cities in the entire country of Canada. Yeah, but for as far as like a North American sport association, it ain't L.A., <laughs> you know, Very true. Very true. <laughs> you know, and to your point, the fact that they can't really like they have to draft well to win or get trades like they got with Kawhi Leonard. You know, this man won a title and then dipped, you know, that doesn't happen normally. Right. <laughs> you know, like, so they won on a one-year rental. Like, but, yeah, to your point, I mean, yeah, Toronto is, like, one of the biggest cities in the, in the state, in the country of Canada. So it, it's, like, small market is such a weird term to me, too, because sometimes the, the it varies depending on sport. Like, the Miami Marlins are a small market team in baseball, but you'd be crazy to call the Miami Heat a small market team in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> or, or like stuff like that. Like it, it varies by sport. So small market is a weird term depending on what sport that varies. But Milwaukee, most certainly, like I mean, that's there's no doubt that that was a small market team. And to see them win this series and to win a championship is big for the NBA. Like this is huge. And, and it's also it's so and much it's also this too. I believe them doing what they did and Giannis doing what he did it really gives Damian Lillard some things to think about. And James because, Harden. you know, the rumblings, and I've been one of the leaders at the forefront of it saying, Dame is not playing in Portland again. Yeah. Dame is not playing in Portland again. So, yeah, he's not playing. He's coming back. And, you know, we could still be right about that. But, man, when you see somebody actually go in and get it done. And stay there. He, he stayed down. He was there all eight years. He could have left. Exactly. It inspires you to want to go out and do the same thing. 
Now, granted, the Bucks are in a much better position right now than where Portland is headed. They are. But, yeah, to, to your point, yeah. I mean, that is what Dame has been trying to do. It just hasn't worked out. Giannis has done everything. Like, at this point, he could walk away from Milwaukee if he wanted to now. And everything's accomplished. It's kind of like when LeBron was in Cleveland. Like, once he won that title in Cleveland, he didn't owe that city anything else. You know, and they they respected him after because remember they booed him when he left the first time. Second yep. time, he leaves and he comes back to like a king's welcome. You know, it's same thing with Giannis. I mean, he he did exactly what he said he was gonna do in that city. He's made Milwaukee a very prominent place to play. I mean, granted, it's still gonna probably be difficult to persuade people. Hey, come to Milwaukee versus Hey, come to Los Angeles. It's still going to be a little difficult, but bro, they won a championship. They didn't build a super team to do it, (laughs) you know? And I remember I gave, and not just, I remember in our group chat, we gave him flack last year when he signed because one of his reasons was, oh, I didn't want to get booed. And a lot of us looked at that kind of weird, like, oh, what's, where's this dude's head at? And then here we are, here we are a year later and we see exactly where his head's at. Like he knew what was up, you know? But yeah, Giannis is officially on the top of the mountain. And he's going to be here to stay for a while because he's only 26 years old. (laughs) You know, but I think we can wrap it up there. You know, this was a great conversation. Shout out again to you, bro, and all the good things you're doing. Thanks for showing up. You know, as always, I appreciate it, bro. It's always an honor to be here. And shout out to you and the moves that I see you out there making, too. You know, um, I, I, I get it. I get it. Every move is not meant to be made out there for everybody else to know about. Mm-hmm. Some of the best moves that you make are moves or silence. Just know, you know, I see you, bro. Much love to you. Much respect to you. And, like, we just going to keep going. Amen. Amen. But y'all be sure to like, subscribe, tune in. Also, check out my book. PG versus Moco, a memoir of high school football in the shadow of a nation's capital. Link is in my bio. We're also available on Amazon. But we got to go. I'm going to see y'all when I see y'all. Deuces. For those who don't know, I actually work in the news and media industry, and I've been working at WWSB ABC7 for two and a half years now. Started out as a digital producer. Last year, I was promoted to a news producer. Back in February, I was pretty much promoted to the 5 p.m. producer spot. And on Wednesday, I was handed a letter to the senior producer position. And I will be starting that position on Monday. I am truly honored. I'm humbled. I'm grateful. I'm very thankful. Let me just say this right now. Don't try to detour away from the plan. And I don't know how many people are religious and spiritual out there, but don't try to detour away from the plan that God has for your life. Yeah, I've had to because learn that recently. when you follow the plan that God has for your life, he will truly blow your mind. This, this is not something I envisioned over a year ago. Like, just, and just like, just be a little transparent here really quick. I'm going to keep this real short. I was sitting at home a year ago working remotely. And just honestly questioning, do I still want to even work in this industry? 
because it just didn't feel like things were moving. It didn't feel like anything was going forward and it felt like I was just standing still. Now, albeit this was during the start of COVID, really those first months of COVID. And of course, working remotely, things kind of shut down to a degree. I say kind of because I live in the state of Florida. Ron didn't keep things shut down too long, but really being limited to what you could do. And I initially didn't even want to be a producer. Just going to put that out there. I didn't know what the job was going to entail. It's not that I didn't want to take on the challenge. I just didn't know what the job was going to entail. And I still felt, do I still have places to grow with digital that I don't even know about yet? Because I was in the house for six months, bro. You know, Mm -hmm. like, so it's like, and I just got a new manager in that same position. So it's like, I I didn't officially meet her until we had been working together for six months remotely. So, you know, just just a message to everybody out there. Follow that plan that God has for your life. Don't detour from it. Don't question it. It's going to be some days that are not going to be easy. It's going to be some hard days. You're going to have some good days. You're going to have some bad days. But keep plugging away and keep putting in the work. Pray. Be patient and just keep that faith. And you will get to the places that you ultimately need to and want to be. That's all I got to say to everybody on that one. Amen. Could not have started off better. <laughs>